And the second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, church family. Lovely to see you all. And um, let me just fix the video. Here we go. And it's so great that we as a family will be moving face to face in various ways in the coming weeks and how exciting that we will be together again this afternoon. Um, before I start the sermon, let me pray for us. Our God, our loving Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy that sustains and upholds us, that draws us into um, knowing you and loving you and living your way in our world. We pray that you would help us this morning, Father, by the power of your spirit. Speak to us, Lord. Shape us, mould us into the image of your son, Jesus, for your glory's sake and for our good and the good of the world around us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, our MC was able to gather in the flesh for the first time in months just weeks ago. And I'm sure it's been such a joy for you all to be able to see family and friends again after such a long time apart. And as sweet as this is, it's kind of weird as well, isn't it? We're all kind of learning how to be physically present together in this post-COVID world, you know, the awkward Do I give you a hug because I'm overwhelmed with joy to see you or do I just give you a wave? Um, But really, as a church family, we wanted to take some time to reflect on how 2020 may have spotlighted things in our hearts and in our lives that we've previously been blind to. And we wanted to open ourselves up to the spirit of God and his shaping and molding of us to become more like Jesus. 2020 has been a bit like um, a pot of stock or of soup, you know, as the flame uh, brings the pot to a steady simmer, the impurities in the ingredients are pushed out and rise to the top. And a good cook will skim the scum off and leaving a pure stock. And over the course of this year, one thing that's risen to the surface of my life in 2020 is my busyness. And I've hadn't realized this until now, but I actually go about looking for things to busy myself with. I don't know if you would feel the same way. 
And even when COVID took away the many things that I would typically spend my time doing, I just filled up my schedule with different stuff. And what was really confronting for me was seeing the impact that busyness had on my relationship with God and with the people I treasure the most. And it's true, isn't it, that our world seems to live with this sort of uncontrollable arrhythmia. We can't quite find the right rhythm to life. Maybe for you, 2020 has been a bit like a defibrillator. That's forced a complete reset of your hearts and life rhythms. Or maybe despite the impact of 2020 and COVID and all the restrictions, maybe you're feeling even more frantic and busy than ever before. But when we, church family, when we live trusting in Jesus, we don't have to be afraid to confront the ugliness that pressure and crisis can bring to the surface of our lives. Because we know that as it gets dealt with and as we submit these things to God, we're being purified and made more like Jesus. And so from our text today, I want us to learn that life with Jesus provides for us a remedy to busyness, a different way, if you will, of being in the world, being at the feet of Jesus. And as we examine the word of God together this morning, we'll consider three, three main points, the presence of busyness and the fruit of busyness, and then finally, a remedy to our busyness. So the presence of busyness, the fruit, and then the remedy. And as we look at Luke 10 this morning, the wider context is that Jesus and his disciples are on the road. They're journeying towards Jerusalem, the place where Jesus's ministry would reach its climax at the cross. And Jesus's new friends, Mary and Martha, they've decided to join in on this life to discipleship to Jesus. They've heard about him. They've invited him into their home. And now they're listening to him teach. It's a, it's a bit like our own discipleship journey to Jesus too. We hear about Jesus, we welcome him into our homes, and then we listen. And from our text, we can presume that Martha's probably the eldest of the family. She's possibly widowed or unmarried since she's um, described as the homeowner and the host. And she's likely to have also been one of the women who contributed financially to Jesus's ministry. And she invites not just Jesus, but his whole entourage to her house. Have you ever felt pressure when you've had people over for a meal? What we feel is actually very little in comparison to um, what Mary and Martha would have felt, the people of the first century, because in those days, great hospitality was nothing less than a matter of one's honour. And so while Martha's frantically preparing to serve her guests, we read that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking the place of one of his disciples. Verse 40 tells us that Martha is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. The original, the Greek word for the word distracted here, it carries with it a sense of being dragged about 
And we get this sense that Martha's being dragged about by the expectations and the demands, uh, demands either self-imposed or imposed upon her by her society. And we can connect with this, can't we? We feel this pull daily. Martha found herself being dragged about by all the things that the Bible tells us had to be done. They were necessary. And as we read, we see that her intentions from the, from the beginning seemed pure and noble. She was going about the work of serving and honouring Jesus. And in our lives, we've all got good things that have to be done. You know, grocery shopping, doing the laundry, um, weeding our gardens, caring for our loved ones, providing for ourselves and our families, contributing to the flourishing of our society through our work, building meaningful relationships with the people around us. These are all really good things to give ourselves to. And this tension, it's just so real, isn't it? Our lives can just be so filled with these things and we can feel like we can never quite keep up. And it's this pressure to meet the demands and expectations of life that can drag us into living and being in the world in a way that is distracted and frantic and busy and restless. We very rarely stop to ask ourselves and to discern, is what I'm giving my time and energy to actually essential? Or is there something deeper going on here? Just a few weeks ago, the streets in our local area in Canley were packed full of people going about their daily hour-long walks, you know, going about that ritual of maintaining their physical and mental well-being. And everyone I spoke to along the way, you know, neighbours and friends, they all said, and I'm guilty of this too, I said that I would like to keep up this habit of daily hour-long walks well after COVID was over with. And yet, Days after restrictions were lifted, it's almost as if COVID and 2020 had never happened. Hardly anyone's walking our streets anymore. And the crazy thing is, is that I know the vast majority of people are still working from home. They're still there. Friends, if your schedule had little margin before COVID, I think it's probably safe to say that it's most likely jam-packed again now that restrictions have lifted. I know my schedule is looking that way. And even if you, like, like me, even if you hate the feeling of being so busy all the time, there's something in our human nature, isn't there, that just seems to default back into unhealthy ways of being in the world. And... What's more confronting to us than the presence of busyness in our lives is the, the fruit that busyness bears in us. In Luke 10, 40, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. By my count, Martha's just referred to herself 
four times in as many seconds. And Luke here is trying to point out to us there's something deeper going on than just the host who's busy preparing a meal for her guests. I can relate to Martha here, the mad rush to get things together before people come over to our place um, so often makes me irritable and difficult to be around. And on the flip side, I'm sure we've all experienced being on the receiving end of frantic and hurried hospitality. It's not the most enjoyable experience either. And busyness and hurry are the symptoms of Martha's deeper pressure to meet expectations. And it's doing something to her. The busyness is turning her in on herself. Remember, she's, in a sense, on the road of discipleship with Jesus. She's invited him into her home. She wants to honour him. And we hear this when she calls him Lord. The title is used to address someone with authority. And yet she's so pressured by her by the expectations that she feels that she has the audacity to tell Jesus what to do. And it reveals for us just for a moment that there's something else that's become her Lord. Her performance in front of her guests is what she is believing will give worth and validation to her life. But it's not just Jesus who Martha is demanding to serve her purposes, but her original frustration is directed toward her sister, Mary. After all, she's just lazing about, sitting there with the disciples, not bothering to lift a finger to serve and honour their guest. But Jesus being Jesus, he hears and he sees what's going on And in verse 41, diagnoses the condition of Martha's heart. He says to her, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. The word, uh, the Greek word translated here as worry, it carries with it a sense of anxiety. It's like an endless barrage of thoughts. And the word translated here as upset, can also be understood as a state of being disturbed, of being unsettled, a state of chronic restlessness. And don't Jesus's words here just beautifully describe the fruit of our modern busy lives. Like Martha, we are worried and upset about many things. We're more anxious than ever. We're more restless than ever. And all of this human progress that's meant to make our lives better, to fill them with more meaning and to free us up to live for what's really important, well, all this progress hasn't quite got us to where we want to be, has it? We say things like, all you need is love or less is more. And yet the true gospel of our age is have more, do more, be more. And it's this this message, it's pervading all of our lives. 
And I wonder if what's happened in 2020 through this global pandemic and the restrictions that we in Melbourne have had to live through, it's actually stifled the way in which we typically would try to get more and do more and be more. Maybe this pandemic for you has momentarily brought a sense of balance and health to your routine and your schedule. And for me, working from home became a blessing in disguise. It gave me an opportunity to see our two boys, Joel and Micah, become best mates. And I would have never had the chance to see this and to witness this for myself had I been at work all year. And um, as the social pressures to constantly be somewhere at a particular time, as those pressures were suddenly removed, um, it became much clearer to me who the important people were in my life that I really wanted to spend time with. And while there were some blessings in lockdown, um, it also forced us as people to find new and different ways to satisfy our unmet longings in new and potentially unhealthy ways. On top of full-time jobs, people started side hustles. Because we didn't have the option of meeting in person, Zoom calls became a new social pressure, one that we've had, we haven't felt before and that we haven't had to deal with before. And we just kept going about ordering more stuff online so that the rolling tide of deliveries would break up the monotony of our days stuck at home. As humans, we constantly try to satisfy our deepest thirsts by digging a hundred shallow wells in the desert rather than drinking from the fountain of life. And what's happened here in Martha can so easily happen to us. Our unsatisfied longings can lead us to a frantic busyness and it becomes our way of being in the world. And this busyness, it actually leads us to betray and to dishonour the things and the people in our lives that we would say are truly important. Again, we see this working itself out in Martha. She calls Jesus Lord. She has the intention outwardly, at least, to honour him as a guest in her home. And yet in her hurried frenzy, she demands that he serve and satisfy her own purposes. For us Christians, family, we, we say things like God is gracious, he is glorious, he is good, and he is great. And yet the busyness of our lives means that we live Monday to Saturday as if he either doesn't exist or that he doesn't care. But if God is truly great, then I don't have to busy myself fighting to control everything and everyone. If God really is glorious, then I don't have to fear what others might say about me. If he's truly good, then I don't need endless distractions to make me feel good. And if God is really gracious, then I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm adopted. And I no longer have to prove myself worthy. 
do we live as though this is true? For me, this year has forced me into a position where I've had to come face to face with the ugly reality of my own busyness. And we tend to, well, I tend to label practical things um, like a schedule or a calendar as unspiritual. And yet what we spend our time doing is deeply spiritual because everything that we do actually forms who we are. I wanted to just invite us. Let's just take a minute. Let's stop here. Let's just breathe. And with the Spirit's help, bravely and honestly hold up a mirror to our own lives. What sort of fruit is your way of being in the world bearing in your life? Is your way of being in the world reaping in you a selfishness that you actually can't stand but have been too afraid to admit? What does your schedule reveal about what you truly love and value? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all to some extent overload our lives to either um, satisfy demands and expectations or to escape them. And either way, we're really looking to do the impossible because we'll never be able to fully satisfy or totally escape every expectation and demand that tries to drag us about because they don't just exist from outside of us, but actually also from within us. And this pull that we can feel to meet expectations, it points us to a much deeper, a more fundamental human need. It's the human need for acceptance. And maybe you, you don't feel this, but I do. I know that so much of my life's been engineered to win the approval of others Maybe that's why I have such a hard time saying no to people sometimes. And Martha, really frustrated at her situation here, angry at her sister, busily trying to live up to all the expectations, she turns to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care? But Jesus does care. He deeply cares. But he cares more about what's happening in Martha than her efforts to impress with her entertaining. Jesus looks Martha right in the eye and he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. He knows who she is. He knows her name and he knows what's going on in her heart. He tells her, that her sister Mary has chosen what's better and that will never be taken away. And in what Jesus says here is a promise. Whatever it is that Mary's managed to take a hold of, that thing will never be taken away. 
in traditional cultures, you know, acceptance is found by constantly meeting the expectations and demands of our tribe. And yet the never ending weight of those expectations is crushing. And in more individualistic cultures like our own, um, acceptance is to be found from within by becoming our true selves. But this can just leave us with shame and disappointment when we can't be the true selves that we want to be. And I think this is the honest truth that, that I need to hear and that we need to hear. I can never live up to my own expectations and standards, let alone yours. Definitely not societies, and the truth is most certainly not God's. But here's the good news. Here's the remedy to our busyness that flows out of our quest for acceptance. Mary sat at Jesus's feet, clinging to every word that he said. Now, this might seem like a strange answer to our problem, but hear me out for a moment. What's remarkable about this scene in Luke 10 is that in the time of Jesus, women had no business sitting at a rabbi's feet. It was a, it was a place reserved only for men and not only men, men who were the most uh, brilliant and sharpest minds of their community. And it was scandalous, really, that Jesus even allowed women to become his disciples. And yet here in Luke 10, Mary's not just welcomed at Jesus's feet. She's held up as an example of what a disciple of Jesus should look like. And the original Greek, again, used in verse 42, it literally reads that Mary has chosen the good portion and that this portion will never be taken away from her. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is this good portion? portion that can never be lost because nothing in our lives seems to last forever and this is where I believe Psalm 16 our reading from our Old Testament reading from this morning helps to make things a little bit clearer in verse 5 David writes Lord you alone are my portion and my cup you've made my lot secure so from Luke 10 and Psalm 16, God is the portion, the good portion that both David and Mary have chosen. And Mary, we can see, made the decision that Jesus was even more valuable to her than winning and gaining the approval by meeting the expectations of her culture and her sister. But how can we today ever have that kind of courage and willpower to set aside our drive to do what's culturally and socially accepted and expected and the approval that this brings us to simply sit at the feet of Jesus? I mean, how can we do this? Friends, please, please hear me out. This is not a call to neglect your responsibilities. It's not a call either to work harder. Friends, this is an invitation for us as God's people to sit at the feet of Jesus. We can only 
deservingly sit at the feet of Jesus if we become gripped by the gospel truth that we are made acceptable and welcomed into life with God in and through Jesus alone. You will never find an acceptance as deep and as long-lasting as that which God offers to you in Jesus. David says in verse 9 of our psalm this morning, he says, My heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body will rest secure. What would you give to be able to repeat David's words and actually know them to be true? I wonder if these words to you seem like a bit of a pipe dream, maybe something reserved for only the super spiritual people. But the truth is Mary wasn't some sort of super holy spiritual person. She was just someone who had grasped, taken hold of a very simple gospel truth. And this kind of peace, this acceptance and welcome, the kind that can never be taken away, this can only be found in something or someone unchanging and eternal. Everything else will fall short and will disappoint. And the truth is, friends, that we have no business sitting at the feet of Jesus. And by immersing ourselves in endless busyness, we actually reject the only one who desires and demands and who is totally deserving of our total focus, our worship. And our, our busyness is actually not only why we're so unsatisfied, but it's also why we're completely unworthy of coming before a perfect and holy God. We have to admit and realize that we can only gain not just the ability, but the desire to sit at Jesus's feet if he so graciously gives it to us. And the good news is, is that Jesus not only invites us to sit at his feet and to enter into a relationship with God, but actually he also makes it possible for us to be accepted and approved by God. Jesus, in his earthly life, he, he lived with perfect unity and obedience to God the Father, and he also lived in perfect love and mercy and justice toward the people around him. And because he was everything that we should be, the writer of Hebrews 10 says that he makes holy or acceptable before God everyone for which he died. And at the cross, Jesus takes upon himself all of our ugliness, all of our unworthiness. And by faith in him, we're gifted his worthiness. We are approved by God and welcomed to sit at his feet. And friends, this is the good portion that can never be taken away. In Jesus, you are welcomed into life with God. The acceptance that you so deeply long for can only be eternally satisfied in God through Jesus. And this frees us up from constantly busying ourselves, trying to meet every demand or distracting ourselves because we can't. Being accepted by God 
means that we can work and fulfill our obligations with a sense of, of lightness, of freedom, because we're no longer working for acceptance, but that we are working from it. Imagine with me for a moment, um, if you lived your life totally believing that you had been gifted the approval of the most powerful and loving being in the universe, what would your life look like? If you truly can believe that God has made you worthy by what Jesus has done, then you can relax. You can rest. You might even be able to leave work undone. You might leave your inbox at work still piled up and yet be able to call it a day. If you truly can believe and take hold of the gospel truth that you are worthy because of Jesus, then silence and solitude won't seem like such an inefficient waste of time, but rather they are precious moments with God. You could have margin in your life to respond to the needs of others around you. When we can accept and receive the acceptance and approval of God through Jesus, then we can live with the ability to prioritize what God says for us to prioritize. Time with him, time in Christian community, and time on mission. So let me invite us as we stop for a few minutes to pause and to reflect on what 2020 may have brought to the surface upon busyness and our quest for acceptance. Let me just invite you to close your eyes. Breathe deeply. Know that in Jesus, you are approved of and accepted by God. And know too that when we sit at his feet, he speaks. And so let's listen. We'll take two or three minutes now just to sit in that space. And if you have any questions, please feel free to send it through um, to me for our Q&A. Um, Pete's posted up my number in the chat. So let's take a few minutes to be quiet before God. Hey, everyone. Just one question for, uh, uh, for me this morning. Um, the question is this. How might we as a church enable one another to be less busy and to sit together at the feet of Jesus? Um, love this question. And I feel as though this fits in really well with the, um, the DNA and the heartbeat of our church that we're um, all about being in community and sharing in deep community together. And I think that's pivotal and that's really what we need to be able to stop and to slow down 
And even the practice of committing ourselves to meeting with the same group of people at the same time on the same day of each week, while for some of us that might seem quite um, normal and ordinary, actually that practice and that sense of commitment is something that is deeply formative for us as people. And so I think that's a really great place to start. I think another way that we can enable one another to be less busy and to sit at Jesus's feet is actually um, in love and with graciousness, challenge one another and remind each other of the truth of the gospel. And as you have insight and as the spirit helps you to see where one of your brothers and sisters might be striving and straining and busying themselves, because they're trying to earn the approval of others or of God, that might be a place where you can gently and lovingly remind your brother and sister um, that that's not the case and that the truth is that in Christ we are already loved and accepted and welcomed. And just another way that um, I found helpful for me in the past year or so is to... um, commit myself to the practice of being with other people in silence and in prayer. Um, Silence is a very awkward thing. And I know that um, for some of us sitting with another person in silence is probably the most awkward thing (laughs) that you could commit to doing. But um, I heard this great podcast uh, during this week. I can't remember where, which one, but it pretty much said that, you can only really sit in silence next to someone safely who you love and who loves you. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that we can um, gift to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is to sit with one another and with God in that space and pray and be silent together. It might be strange, but it's also a really beautiful thing I found Um, when you can do that. Um, And so hopefully that helps. Um, I would really love to talk more about this at our picnic this afternoon um, and as we catch up together. Really looking forward to that. So I will hand it back over now to Kirsten to lead us in another song.